Hi, this is Kara Kading, and as part of the Milliger family, I'd love to introduce you to our new podcast. Everything we do here at Milliger's is done to enhance the lifestyle of our customers. Our products and services add beauty and enjoyment and just make life a little more rewarding. We are first and foremost growers, and one of the things we do best is to open a world of beauty to people through plants. And plants enrich our lives in so many ways, from cleaning our air to making everyone feel better. And everything else that we do or sell gradually evolved from our wanting people to feel better and enjoy life. The Garden Girls are back today. This is such a fun time of year in the greenhouse. Just amazing to see them all filling up kind of one by one. I'm here with my mom, Chris Reisdorf. It certainly is what we've been waiting for all winter long. And the greenhouses look amazing. I know. It's incredible. Just to, I mean, my favorite time is to walk through really early in the morning. And the smell is just different, don't you think? Well, you could almost feel the plants growing. I always say no one can be crabby in the greenhouse. Because no matter how you feel, it is just, you know, a wonderful environment. This weekend is Easter. And we do, of course, this is a big category for us out in the greenhouses is with the Easter lilies and delivering to churches. I have to ask Ron how many churches we deliver, but we spend several days making deliveries all day long. There are thousands of of Easter plants that go out to the various churches in Kenosha, Racine, Milwaukee, Burlington, outlying areas. We're happy for that and particularly happy to support the churches and help them beautify their buildings for the Easter celebration. I know we've talked about the history of Milligers, of course, and starting with our one greenhouse. But when did you guys decide, all right, let's bring on Easter? Well, before we had a store, we had a very small area in the greenhouse. We decided that it was only appropriate that we have some Easter plants. We didn't grow our own in those days. We were at the mercy of whomever delivered to us. Easter has always been rather traumatic for me because there's <laughs> always, it's a whole timing issue. It, it is so crazy how Easter pops, you know, all over the calendar. Is it going to be in March? Is it going to be in April? It's a real short window. Whereas at Christmas time, we have anything from the middle of November is fair game for putting a poinsettia in in your home. Sure. But the Easter lilies have to be timed just right. And I know one year we got a delivery and the Easter lilies were very nearly three feet tall and they were as green as could be. It didn't look like it was going to flower for two weeks and we were just kind of in the week before Easter. And so we put up a plank up near the roof of the greenhouse, and we put the Easter lilies way up there so they would be even warmer near the yes. roof and where the warm air rises. And we were trying to induce a flower, which wasn't about to happen at all. And in those days, um, we only had two hyacinths. That's what we were planning to sell. So, of course, they came in again way too tight. And I remember that I took them home and put them under a heat lamp at night to have them warmed up and kind of a little <laughs> just carry them around with you yeah, and just talk incubator. to them <laughs> and to try to get them to be saleable for the Easter weekend. So hmm. now, wasn't yeah. there a story about the very first Easter plants that we had here? And I think there was how many Easter lilies, and weren't they in Grandma and Grandpa's refrigerator or something like that? <laughs> I made that up. I think you're making that up. I, don't, I, I thought there were two Easter plants in her refrigerator. 
I just remember them not being far enough along. Mm. The refrigerator story <laughs> escapes me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a new one. It's the only other person to ask. But in the greenhouse, we're always very happy when the holiday has passed because until then, a lot of the transplanting that occurs cannot be done because all of the houses are dedicated to mums, to hydrangeas, to the bulb crops. It's, right. You know, there's many, many of our houses are designated. And I remember as a kid, those several days before Easter, everyone was in the greenhouse there packaging up and sleeving all of the plants for the churches and putting the bows on and putting everything into place, all going in the boxes. And Ron Peterson, our head grower, scheduling all the deliveries. And there's a lot of time involved. Everybody, all hands on deck to get those orders ready. We ship, like I say, thousands of plants. And Dan Milliger used to cut all of the foil for, now they use pot covers. Right. But in those days, we cut the foil and Joan, my mom, and I made every bowl. So at night, we would each make a couple, uh, at least 100 bowls a night in preparation for Easter. So we would sit in front of the TV and just make bowls all night long mm. and put them on a styrofoam board. And then when it came time to trim the plants, all the bowls were made. I mean, now for Easter, it's just a little pole bow, which I can do. <laughs> yeah. Well, anybody we have can to do. simplify once in a while. Yes, yeah. So timing is everything. And this year, Easter is a little bit later, which puts that little constraint, that time crunch on things. It's almost near our open house. So we want our bedding plants and things to be ready, even though it most likely won't be an appropriate time to plant outdoors yet. But we still have the houses full right. just in time for end of April. So that for those people who want to... Well, there are people that like to come have and they get them and they have them in their garage, garage. <laughs> and then they're in, in our little out. cart and in. they pull it outside yeah. for the day God bless them and for push that. it in at mm. night. Yes, it still happens. Well, especially for some, I mean, here at Milligers, we grow such a vast variety of plants and a lot of things that people just don't see anywhere else as far as the vast variety of each category. It's a great time because we're one of the only operations in the Midwest where every house is open to the public. And it isn't just a display house or just one or two houses. It's 90 houses available just to walk through. And what? people do. I mean, they're walking completely lost <laughs> in the back of the greenhouses. How do I get out of here? All the way back by the railroad tracks because it is 92 greenhouses here. It's, it's, you can get lost. Well, of course, everything is displayed in the front of the store. But one time I found a man on crutches way up at the far end. I mean, and my, he's about Did house, you carry him? He's home? in house 81. And I thought, oh, no. what? And he couldn't have carried anything because he was right, using his on crutches. crutches. Yeah. So that happened. Call the golf cart. Well, one thing interesting about Milligers is the fact that we're talking Easter right now, but we are really juggling multiple holidays here at all times. I mean, especially a major category for us is Christmas. And who would have thought we'd be buying Christmas? I mean, I, actually, I think we buy Christmas almost every day. Well, we love, we are, just as we <laughs> We're love always Christmas. buying Christmas. We start in December. Mm -hmm. December of the year before. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about Christmas this year for 2022, we've been buying that since December of 2021. Right. Just to ensure delivery, right. which is a huge thing. And again, this year we're designing some more styles of Christmas trees because we keep wanting something a little bit better than is out there. And yeah, so our almost real trees. It takes a lot of a lot of effort to make sure that 
the number of tips are correct, the color is correct, that everything is going to come in the way we And one of the most important things, I mean, we have a lot of ornament collectors that buy our trees. We ship worldwide because of the integrity of the tree. That's really so important because that's the skeleton of your ornaments, where they're going to be debuted. So it's the foundation of how everything looks. So the wire has to be strong enough. The spacing has to be good. Yes, and it, it certainly has to be lit correctly. And Lighting is nobody, key. nobody wants to invest in a tree and then find out that the lights aren't going to last. So again, we, we have a lifetime light. We call it our 100-year light. And that makes all the difference in the world. We want everything to be stress-free about the holiday. and As much as we can do here. Are there any new trees coming that you're excited about? Yes, there are. There is a new grand spruce that we wanted to name it. You know, anything that has the word Fraser in the name is always a bestseller. But we start to run out of, there are only so many trees that can be called a Fraser, even though the needles are very similar. But I'm excited that we have a new tree coming this year, both in a slim and in a full presentation. I think it's going to have some of the strongest branches that we've ever had. And many people are looking for a little narrower profile. So mm-hmm. that we're Spacing receptive to that, issue. and we want to make sure that we have that. In addition, we have two new styles of, they're almost what might be considered a twig tree, because they're not traditional in the idea of, an evergreen bough, but they are dedicated to showing off ornaments. And so I love that where the lighting's great. You said the way the branches are, it's just, you can see the ornaments so much better. Right. And it might not be your primary tree, but in case of Kevin Milliger, it is his primary tree. And that's because he has such a fabulous ornament collection. Right, right. Uh, Part of which is going to be debuted on our jigsaw puzzle. We have a special jigsaw puzzle that we created, and that is at a printer this week. And that's so fun. We'll be seeing it shortly. I hope that there is a whole Milliger series of jigsaw puzzles because we've got something for every holiday. We certainly do. Oh, not to mention the new ornament companies. We always are about the philosophy of having the best and the most and the biggest selection and offering the best of Christmas to our customers. Well, how exciting to see Christopher Radko back in Atlanta with a whole brand new ornament collection called Heartfully Yours, the response has just been incredible. Well, it's going to be fabulous. We're so excited to be debuting that line and hope that we can talk with him about that in one of these podcasts. Oh, I think he should definitely be on our podcast. In addition, we have a new Polish company that is, for the first time, offering their direct from their factory, their ornament line. So again, we're not limiting ourselves to any one category or any one price point, but letting our customer make that decision. It's pretty exciting. Now, tell me a little bit about the history of Christmas here at Milliger's, because we started as growers, right? Well, many people remember that first greenhouse, and they think that is really where we started. But for us, Christmas really preceded that. Because in the 50s, Dan and Joan Milliger had a production in their basement of grape sprays. And in those days, nearly everybody bought a grave covering. They were called grave sprays or wreaths we sold, and we sold some potted arrangements. And that's just the fresh green. So they would get all these bundles of greens and bring them down into the basement. Oh, you can't imagine what it was like when we would come home. My brothers weren't even in school. Then to come home and find that the greens had been delivered, of course, we were jumping all over the piles of greens, my cousins and I. 
And that was not good because sometimes we would break the branches. And oh, so yeah. That was, for that very first day, we, we could to jump around. get away with it. <laughs> but the way that the grace braids were made is, if you imagine a loaf of bread, that became the size for the base that the evergreen boughs were stuck into. And that was what was called the moss back. And it had a base of wood from which came a very large nail that would ultimately go into the ground and anchor. Right, I remember as a kid seeing that big nail. Yeah, giant nail. So the sphagnum moss was put over that wood and then twine was put around that so that it held it in place. And it was wet, so that would keep the evergreen boughs moist and green Mm -hmm. for the whole season. That was the base for it, and it was made at least two feet tall and could be as long as six feet. Sometimes they were for a baby spray. Sometimes those were only maybe 30 inches long. And then that was the production part, which Dan Milliger did. Then Joan would decorate the spray during the day, and they worked at night as well many times till two o'clock in the morning. So all natural materials were used in those days was status, German status was used, and that had to be separated from the bundles and uh, soaked in water so it was pliable enough to work with. All of these pieces had to be wired to an extension so they could be inserted into this moss. Then ruscus, and then, of course, the hand-tied bows that were all done by my mom. And what inspired them to say, hey, (laughs) let's start making some grave sprays in our basement? I guess they like hard work. Yeah, yeah. They spent money for their own relatives in the cemetery, and we were very poor in those days. I think that my dad had any number of part-time jobs. He laid cement, put tile up in bathrooms. He did any odd job. Sometimes he had two or three additional jobs other than working at the post office. So why they decided on working in <laughs> I a, don't want to buy I these guess, anymore. I guess it was something that they could do at home True. and do it together. Yes. So he made the spray, and then she did the decorating. And my brothers were young in the beginning. They were just in wash baskets. They, rather than a bassinet, they just were in a wash basket in the basement and they would be down there and my mom would be decorating during the day. And not only that, but then they delivered these to the cemetery. And if you think it's difficult to find a grave out there when it's covered with snow, to try to find a particular grave for someone you do not know. Um, right. I made the foolish mistake, and this was actually in the summertime, but I was a young girl working here. I was only, I think, you know, 16 at the time and took a phone order for someone who wanted me to plant the the grave. You know, she was calling from out of state, and for some reason I thought I could just bring I can the, do that. Yeah, I'll bring the plants and I'll just magically find it because she kind of described where it was, and it was just meandering for about an hour until I found it. But you really, Grandpa had those actual maps. They had big cemetery maps, and they would put them on a piece of plywood because they would get so tattered and torn apart and things like that, and had to carry that around and look for the block number and then the lot. Yeah, and to find it in the snow and then trudging through the snow with this grave spray. It's a good thing we expanded into other Christmas categories, (laughs) is all I can say. There certainly are easier categories. And nowadays with people participating in all the workshops, doing the porch pots and things, it's evolved into a whole different category. I think it's amazing. I'm glad you brought up workshops because right now we're just at the very beginning of all of our spring workshops. Of course, our most famous is the Jumbo Hanging Basket Workshop. We offer that seven different 
days. And in addition to those days, it's about five or six different times too, just to space everybody out. We've got several of those left and then our other workshops that continue from there. But I mean, that one by far and away is obviously our biggest category. And I think one of the most fun ones to do with people. I think everybody loves the fact And last year we first started spacing out the times so that Everybody wasn't there at once, and that turned out to be the best thing we ever did. Right, because because those workshops, the Jumbo Hanging Basket workshop is incredible, but even if we offered it seven times, we would have over 100 people at every single workshop, which can be kind of overwhelming. So like you said, to break it up into those different time frames gives people a little more individualized attention too. Right. It's just my favorite time to be in the greenhouse is in early evening like that. The sun is kind of low in the sky and it's just really nice and quiet out there. We have a great time. Of course, the wine is flowing. And it feels warm and you're starting to see the sun set. So the sun is shining into the greenhouse there as it's setting. And all the plants, of course, are blooming and beautiful. And people get that good guidance from us. We have the plants that we recommend you putting in your basket. So you're planting here in middle of April and then people will come and pick it up the end of May and boy is it an amazing transformation. But half the time they think it's not their basket because they never imagined that it could grow but it has regular fertilizer and consistent water. Yes key things. And this year we're again featuring the which made its debut last year that water saver basket and the cost of plastics are up because it's a byproduct. Right costs a little more this year, but it is designed for people who are maybe away for a weekend and things like that so that they... What what is it? It holds a whole gallon of water. Yeah, nearly two gallons. Oh, two gallons. Okay. You might have to change your watering pattern a little bit because you have a reservoir there and it will draw on the water as it needs it. What an answer to prayer is because if you're hanging this, especially with the wind conditions and things like that, your baskets can dry out and would require water several times a day. This will hopefully help to solve that that issue. And of course, we still have our fiber pot that we started with, and that has worked for decades. And that has evolved too, because it has a larger base now. I find a lot of customers are signing up for this jumbo hanging basket workshop, but ultimately a majority of them, the hooks get taken off and it gets set into a container, which is another option. Yeah, it drops right into a 20 inch pot would be perfect. We also have stands that they can be set I love those basket stands. Such a nice height. It's not hanging but it's not in a container. We're planning to do a lot of inspiration pots this year dedicated to hummingbirds. For that reason, they're all red pots. They're big, oh, large fun. pots that we're going to kind of pepper around the So people will know what to look here. for when right. they come in. So they watch for the red pots, and those are the hummingbird magnets. So coming up, not only are our workshops, but our open house debuts on April 21st. What does open house mean? I guess it really means we are ready. This is as good as it gets. This is our full selection. Yeah, the farmer's market gets kicked outside and all the benches get filled in the expo greenhouse. And how breathtaking is that to see all the flats of annuals and the baskets are hanging, all the herbs, the vegetables, geraniums, the geranium house. Is so beautiful. Yeah, we call that our wow house because everybody that goes in there said, oh, the first word is, they all say, wow. I can't yeah, believe it. I can't, yeah, we should just, just have a little microphone yeah, right there. Say wow right here. So like I say, we are not advocating that people plant particularly some of the vegetables, although we do have some cold hardy types, but you just have to temper it a little bit and watch the weather and hope for an early spring. But we're all aware that the weather can be 
capricious and change at a moment's notice, you know? Well, especially here in Wisconsin, things can change. But that makes it a little bit fun. And I think that we have a great selection of, like you said, being able to offer, especially for cold-loving animals, that you can put a spring container out with your pansies and, you know, alyssum, snapdragons, even Dusty Miller, petunias. It's amazing. People maybe not know it, but the petunias are actually pretty cold hardy too. And the calibracoa, what an incredible category that is. Right. People can tell when they walk through our greenhouses, if it's an A, B or a C plant, I think, by how many varieties we grow. That's a good indication of what are the real, I call them the workhorses of the garden, because those are the ones that are there for the long haul and they just keep blooming and performing and loving you back, however you want to say it. Those are what make containers what they are. And it's fine to experiment with some of the lesser known varieties and to have some of the more exotic things, and which are great. But there's a reason why we grow more petunias than any other. Mm-hmm. And the calibracoa, why we have 50 varieties. And begonias. Well, that's, our, that's, that's my <laughs> We'll have to do a whole podcast on begonias, I think. That's great for container gardening. When we teach the workshops and we do what we call the magnificent seven of putting seven annuals in there, if one doesn't make it, it's very easy to just pop that out and, and put a replacement in, especially because we're growing all the time throughout the summer. So they could fill it in with something fresh and new. Our summers are long and we can enjoy these plants all the way into the first frost, really. Right. And lately, the first frost has even been in November. So August is not the end. Right. It's There's a lot of time left. And annuals, if fertilized and cared for and manicured a little bit now and then, they certainly should be blooming and through through October. Yeah, I was just doing a podcast with Dad and couldn't stress enough how important it is to fertilize. Do you have any good recommendations or a good rule of thumb on how to make sure that people are (laughs) fertilizing consistently or what's your best, what's your best advice on that? Or what do you do at home? Well, there is a whole group of people that are dedicated to using a slow release fertilizer, but it only releases when it has enough moisture. And the only problem we have with something like that is that if you are not watering consistently, then the fertilizer is not being released. So I certainly believe in slow-release fertilizer, something like Osmocote or anything that's generally found in a solid form. However, I think that you will get phenomenal results, not just ordinary results, when you supplement that with a liquid feed. What that does, first of all, it forces you to water And if you say, well, I'm going to do this on Saturday mornings or something, you don't have to do it as often as the labels say, but the consistency of a food and a water is super important. Our whole family uses the Algo Plus, and my favorite, of course, is the geranium food, and it works on anything. It doesn't have to be a geranium, but I just like the analysis, and I think that all the trace elements, and it's an organic feed, It's number one plant food in Europe, but certainly is something that we believe in and advocate. Right, and very easy to, again, incorporate in your watering routine. And 
I think a little bit of the slow release and the liquid feed, like you said, is great just because plants I feel are the same way we are. We like a little bit of variety. We all like to eat and getting different supplementation is certainly going to be beneficial. And it doesn't hurt to mix up what you're offering, just like like toothpaste. Nobody wants to use the same toothpaste forever and ever. <laughs> so maybe you buy one for whitening or you buy one for, I don't know, whatever they all are. Healthy gums. Cat, yeah, gums are cavity control or for whatever, I think that sometimes that's a little bit of a shot in the arm to a plant to vary whatever you're using. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how many people aren't using anything. No, it's like they're just starving all summer. It would, it would be like a pet saying, well, I'm not going to feed you this summer. You can just drink water. <laughs> yeah. mm. Well, that is really important. And I find that when you do fertilize, not only do you get more blooms that way, but they don't have that stretched out leggy look. You don't have to do as much cutting back on the plant and waiting for it to revive and come back from that. Yeah, many of the new hybrids, particularly petunias, are very heavy feeders. And things like fuchsia, again, very heavy feeders. So they need to be fertilized in order to meet your expectations. And you will not get anywhere near the results you could get if you're fertilizing. All right, guys, that is spring at Milliger's. Pretty excited for things to start to bloom and unfold here. Definitely come and check us out. All the seminar schedule and the workshops are available on our website. Our open house debuts on April 21st, where the greenhouses will be fully loaded with beautiful blooms and wonderful smelling plants and everything ready to go. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all the latest information and happenings here at Milligers. You can find out more details about our events on our website at milligers.com. We would love to hear from you. Send us your suggested topics and questions to me at gardengirl at milligers.com. Thanks again for listening and just keep growing.